Welcome to another episode of the Classic Car Corner Podcast. Our guest this morning is owner of Devon Sports Cars in Abington, Pennsylvania, where they have been manufacturing championship-winning sports cars since 1954. But first, these words from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Springdale Automotive Centers, the next generation in car care, locally owned and professionally operated, whatever you drive, Springdale services. Domestic, Euro, hybrid, electric, classics, and diesel. Springdale's car services include maintenance, repair, and diagnostics with four convenient locations in Louisville. How can Springdale be of service? I'm Jason Painter. John Lockhart and Eric Benzel couldn't join us this morning, and we welcome engineer and longtime auto enthusiast Kevin Callahan. Kevin, we're so glad to have you join us here this morning. I'm glad to be here, and I hear you hit the record button, so let's get to it. Absolutely. So you have a fun and interesting story to tell. So let's begin with your automotive history that led you to purchasing Devon Sports Cars. I've always been a car guy. Uh-huh. Uh, my parents will tell you since I was little, I was the guy in the driveway. I would take apart, take the valve covers off the car. And gotcha. Mom would try to go to the store, and <laughs> you know, I was like, "What'd you do?" And I'm like, "I don't know." So I <laughs> right, always wrenching on a lawnmower or something. Mm-hmm. Then when I turned, you know, seventeen, sixteen, I bought my first car, and I still have it today. That's so, what we were going to talk about here. It's a Corvette, yeah. correct? Yeah, I have a '69 Corvette. It was the first car I bought, and I've kept it all this time. I know. And awesome. uh, some like one of those guys, you know, right? I tend right. to buy a car I like, and I keep it for and a while. That's exactly yeah. right. Oh, how how about that? So, um, and so yeah. Well, let's see if that was your first car in '69. So yeah, have you have you you done any modifications to it or is it have you kept it in kind of its original uh representation yeah i i keep it i was i come up from that school that you kept everything original right. in it yep. numbers matching was important right. sure. that seen that important for homeowners or homeowners car owners nowadays but right. um yeah i kept that the same and i do believe over milestones in your life um may want to reward yourself and uh well sure in my youth i worked hard and caddied a lot and did everything and was able to afford a corvette in high school and there you go well right. my porsche when i made my first big sale with my company okay. and uh so yeah i, I think that's a cool thing to do well, of course. You, you can celebrate little steps in your life with milestones uh, and yep. devon is one of those yeah, there you go right right no that that would my first car was not a corvette it was a little toyota a little four-cylinder job so uh but uh, having a corvette you know affording corvette versus affording the insurance are two different things <laughs> mm-hmm. at, at that age, I guess, right? But, uh, yeah. oh, that's great. Well, give us a little history, if you wouldn't mind, about Bill Devon and, and uh, who founded, you know, obviously it was Bill Devon who founded Devon Enterprises, but give us a little history about Bill, please. Um, Bill Devon grew up in the Midwest. Um, his dad was in the automotive business, mm-hmm. so um, you might want to say he was similar to a lot of our car guys. He was turning wrenches and fixing stuff from his youth. Um, from there, he went to work for Douglas airplanes. Um, he actually had a, um, was a machinist in the, um, I think it was the Navy. So he actually was able to hone his problem solving machinist skills. Um, so when he came out of the, um, Navy after the war, he had skills like a lot of these guys had, how to problem solve, how to fabricate, how to do things. Mm -hmm. And he gravitated and slowly worked his way to California where he started two other um, car dealerships and he eventually sold them and will stop right there. And that mm-hmm. actually gave him the means to go racing. And that's I when see. the, 
Bill Devin manufacture race car story started. I got you. So, so Devin's is known for kit cars. Did Devin end up producing a whole car that was, and, and if so, what was it called? Yeah. So the word kit car, it really gets me sometimes. Um, I, got you. I think that came around in the seventies where people try to make a car that looked like something else. You try to take a Fiero and make a Ferrari out, right. car out yep. of it. Uh-huh. Yep. Bill Devin's approach was kind of different on this. Um, mentioned he came out of the war and he actually bought a small, um, well, 12, um, what they were called panhards. And he, he bought these panhards and he actually take, took them and modified them into race cars. They wore race cars, but built fiberglass bodies for them. Mm-hmm. So the DNA of the Devon uh, sports car company really comes from a guy who wanted to go racing. He didn't want to make a car that looked like something else. So that's why I, I pull the word kick car out of the conversation gotcha. about Bill Devon okay. and kind of say, yeah, he wanted to go racing. He built the race cars mm-hmm. and those panhards were the first cars that he actually won a national championship in 1956 with those cars and other drivers would buy them and actually won the national championship. Gotcha. So, okay. So, so from Panhard, where did Devin go then? Well, we'll pick up on Panhard. He started making uh, the bodies, the fiberglass bodies, and Lamont's Panhard-looking bodies for these chassis he had. Mm-hmm. And that's where he learned how to work with the media of I fiberglass. See. So I... you're in the 50s now. It was the wonder product, you mm-hmm. know? Wow, we didn't have to pound Bill Bucks to build a car. So Bill Devin started the Panhard bodies, and then he started manufacturing uh, bodies that you could actually put on another chassis or a car that you got into an accident with, I see. or you just raced that weekend and you wrecked it and you want a lightweight body. Right. And that's where the Bill Devon part of the Bill Devon story is those 27 different wheel bases and with a car bodies that he would actually manufacture and you could buy and you could buy for $295. No kidding. Wow. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's 295 bucks in, unless you're getting a full tank of gas these days, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Price, yeah. Isn't funny? Yeah. Price uh, of a gas a tank. Yeah. yeah. Gas exactly. up your car now. That, so, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. what they were. So somebody could actually, you you probably send a dollar to him and got a brochure or something or a quarter, and then um, he would actually send you a whole body for $295. How about that? Wow. Well, in the 50s and 60s, when auto racing was really becoming all the more popular, you had design, form, and function were uh, key to the outcome of these races. What made Devin's car different? Now, okay, we know that it's uh, it's fiberglass, right? Yep. Okay. So what, lightweight what, fiberglass. Okay. So, any any specific designs that that uh, you know Harley Earl had all the um, pointed fins on a bunch of the General Motors cars that we see, all the old Cadillacs and all that good stuff. Were there any like designs that were specific to Devon? So here's where we pick up the second half of the Bill Devon story. You mm-hmm. asked about manufacturing cars, mm-hmm. and then Bill Devon decided he wanted to manufacture a car. Mm-hmm. Um, so his style was very European. Um, some will say it was pulled off of a Ferrari type body. Okay. Um, your listeners at home, if they want to Google it, they'll see an image of a car that looks like a Testarossa 250, uh, a Maserati 300. Gotcha. Okay. The other part of the Bill Devon story is he received a letter from two Irishmen, Nolan Hillis and Malcolm McGregor, mm-hmm. who had come up with their own design for a chassis over in Northern Ireland. Okay. Um, so now, now we're in 57. Okay. Um, 
all the trick things in the automotive world were actually coming from uh, Europe. Um, girl and brakes, um, disc brakes, mm-hmm. uh, independent dis- suspension, Dion tube rears. So these two Irishmen had designed a frame that had all that independent suspension, all four wheels, rack and pinion steering, um, Gerlin disc brakes, um, a Dion tube in the back, inboard disc brakes, all the trick things that were available to a race car driver mm-hmm. and they were available in Europe, Bill Devon could have access to. I so see. we flew over to uh, Ireland to see these guys. They strapped a milk crate to a uh, chassis with uh-huh. a Jaguar straight six in it. And they <laughs> went to an airport and they drove it around. And Bill Devon was so impressed by it. He wanted to work with these two Irishmen. So I'll he started importing these chassis. Okay. So he would import these chassis into America, fit them with a fiberglass body, mm-hmm. go to Detroit. And Bill Devon had a relationship with uh, Chevrolet, um, just like Shelby had a relationship with uh, Ford. Gotcha. So he started fitting these um, uh, chassis from Ireland with a, a Chevrolet 283 okay. and the lightweight fiberglass body. And he had a formidable race car of its time. Gotcha. Something that was very sophisticated and could do very well on a racetrack. Isn't that something? So so, so one of the questions we have, obviously, was, you know, Bill Devin is a Native American, but yet he's 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 capturing some of the, the um, imported um, uh, technology. Did he enjoy uh, – well, it's not, obviously he enjoyed it, but was, was there any um, uh, regret not going uh, 100% American with designing uh, cars – back then i don't think there was okay. um mm-hmm. you know you have to go to the his story is very similar to shelby however it did happen three years before carl shelby brought in the uh, bristol um chassis and fit gotcha. them with american mm-hmm. it was a formula if you wanted to be fast and win he used um you know a big powerful detroit motor a lightweight um design chassis and, mm-hmm. and body and uh horsepower and weight are inversely proportional to each oh, other. Absolutely, so right. you definitely want to have a light car and a lot of horsepower and you're fast. Right. So, so, so uh, hypothetically speaking, uh, how much does just the shell of a Devon um, uh, frame weigh roughly? Um, that's funny, but the whole car for a Devon SS, which mm-hmm. was a, um, a V8, you know, mm-hmm. with a 283 was around 2,100 pounds. Okay. He, gotcha. he had some lighter versions, but that was his flagship big race car. Um, if I had to guess, the whole fiberglass body might be, you know, 225 pounds or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yep. Light. So, in other words, lightweight, which is obviously a key ingredient <laughs> when yep. you're racing, that's for sure. So, uh, so prior to that, uh, what what kind of cars did Bill Devon own uh, before making his own v- version? He was a, um, I mentioned the two car dealerships. So when he actually sold the dealerships and they were uh, Plymouth, but um, he became uh, pretty good friends with Chinetti and he had a lot of different uh, Ferraris that he'd bring in um, and that he would actually race. Uh, Phil Hill raced one of his Ferrari Barquettas very successfully uh, in that California circuit. So Bill would actually buy, um, these Ferraris and resell them. He's had Maseratis, um, a lot of different cars in the race car. So mm-hmm. he got his hands on a lot of cars. He saw how they were put together. He saw what made 
um, them fast. Gotcha. So what made mm-hmm. them popular to the public? And mm-hmm. that's when he decided to say, you know what? I can do it as good or a better job than there these guys go. can I do it. I love it. it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Wow. So at a car show, if there were a Devon built car there, what category would you consider that car to fit in? A lot of the car shows I do, um, it's funny. They, they seem to be period by years. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're, we've, I've talked to some of the Concord LD Gonces around here right. and, and maybe they do have a category coming up for a reincarnation car or a continuation car. Okay. Um, I think we're going to see that in the future here as they, you know, they open these categories up and get more, um, uh, people wanting to come and uh, celebrate different kinds of builds, you know, whether they're a European or a Japanese build or something. We see more and more of these at the Concord El Diagonces or local car shows. Um, Yeah. Car shows are funny. They get top 10 awards a lot of times because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So (laughs) (laughs) got you right. You don't know if you're one or 10, but I know if I do a car show when I have said this before, when I come home, Mm -hmm. not being able to do uh, speak because I've been talking the whole day to people. Mm -hmm. um, That's a good car show. Oh, sure. Absolutely. It's amazing. The attraction that Devin gets at a car show because everybody, number one, wants to know what it is. Mm -hmm. And they, think they're looking at a Ferrari or a Maserati right off the bat. So something very exotic and very, very expensive. But um, right. yeah, it's, it's people come up to me and they're like, wow, everybody's talking to you. And I go, well, they haven't seen this. It's not another Mustang or Camaro. Right. You know? right. It's it yeah. definitely unique for sure. Yep. Yes. The, the, so were the original Devons purposely built for racing only or did was there another uh, agenda with that? You know, it, it was built to race, but okay. back then, everyone, you know, we always tell the story. You drove to the race, you won your trophy, and drove home at night. And uh, that's how a car was manufactured back then. It, you went to an SCCA event, and you drove there. Maybe you had tires, maybe you didn't, and you drove it home that night. So um, mm-hmm. they were, Bill Devon had a manufacturer's license in the state of California to manufacture cars and, and put VIN numbers on them. Um, he had a manufactured of those, um, requirements of the time with bumperettes sometimes and lights and blinkers and everything. So, um, they were definitely manufactured to be titled and be street cars. Gotcha. Um, racing is something that a guy would decide to do on his own. Okay. Well, and this isn't a gotcha question, but any which way, shape or form, but do you know how many Devon cars are actually out there right now? Um, we're trying to put that together and, okay. uh, the, the time frame he had, he was not a good record keeper. I let's see. Put it that way. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> so there could be as many as 3000 bodies were made. I see. Um, gotcha. And as in production cars, uh, you could have a h- couple hundred between the, and we haven't talked about the Devon D's or Devon C's yet, but mm-hmm. between the SS's, Devon C's and Devon D's. I um, see. So, so I think, uh, um, so I live in Louisville, and just obviously south of us is Nashville, Tennessee, who hosts the uh, Lane Automobile Museum. And I believe there's a Devon there. Am I correct? I don't know that. Okay. That's interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. I've not been to that museum. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it, it's a good one for sure. Um, mm. And I want to say that there was a, a Devon there. Um, um, but, yeah, I can, I can double check that for sure. Um, real quick, let's take a moment and ask our listeners to – Please check out our sponsor, GD Herring. GD Herring provides options for not only insuring your classic cars, but for all your collectibles. You can find them at 
www.gdherring.com. We are speaking with Kevin Callahan, owner of Devon Sports Cars. And again, uh, uh, Kevin, thank you so much for for joining us here today. This is, is a fantastic topic here. Um, so Devin makes his race car. How did it do on its first race? It, it did very well in that Southern California racing circuit. Okay. Um, it did, you know, in 1950, well, in 1959, there was an FIA race out in, um, Riverside, California, uh-huh. and it participated in that race. Um, I don't think it finished, but it, it was racing in a field with uh, Maserati 450s, uh, okay. you know, Ferraris of the time. Um, that was an international field, and it could hold up very well in an international field. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very successful race car in, in, in that respect. I see. Um, okay. Peter Woods was one. In fact, it won the C Modified Championship in 1959 in the California area. So um, it was a very, very successful um, in what it did. And it just became, uh, as time went on, the cars started to change in the 60s. So that design, you know, did not hold up when you're in 1964, 65, because mm-hmm. cars started looking different. Yep. We look back at them today and it's back in style. So, right, uh, right. So, I mean, okay, so now that Devin is up and running, what are the plans going forward then for you? Um, so I was able to purchase the um, assets, um, patterns, um, frames, molds, jigs, all those components mm-hmm. along the trademark in um, 2018 probably. Okay, I, I all right. did it. So when I bought that immediately, I started going back and sorting through stuff. This stuff had been in containers pretty much since Bill Devin um, passed away in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, four gentlemen did buy it from his widow in 2000. They didn't do too much with it. It kind of sat in containers um, out in California. So I was able to purchase it. I flew out there, brought these containers back and started sorting through. And as of today, I'm still sorting through and finding stuff I Is didn't even right? know I had. Oh, I'll uh, be darn. Okay. And it, it's become a real um, fun thing to do the um, history and try to figure out what he did here and what, what he didn't do here. I see. Um, so to answer your question, at first I started supporting the Devon community, people who had gotten in accidents who weren't able to repair the front ends of their cars or the rears because mm-hmm. they just didn't have access to the molds and parts. Mm-hmm. So I started manufacturing at first fenders, front ends, rears, bucket seat area, uh, doors and hoods were missing from people's cars. So that's what I started out doing. And I'm more now progressing into hopefully one day being able to offer a rolling chassis. That would be a Bill Devin design chassis with the uh, cool. body on it. Isn't and, that cool? I'm right. still doing my proof of concepts on this, but it seems like the motor selection goes from let's keep it original or mm-hmm. I want to put a reliable uh, LS motor into it. So mm-hmm. um, it's, I think that's how it's going to progress right now. I see. Well, well, okay. So here's a question for you uh, with this electric agenda going on or initiative, let's call it. I mean, would, would, would you consider making one of these Devon uh, vehicles electric? Well, you're going to get me in trouble with the Devon community here. <laughs> I got you right. Okay. Yeah. But in, in, you look forward. I think it's 2023, the 25, um, 
the, the electric vehicles are going to become a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be foolish trying to offer these to the public and, and dismiss that totally. Sure. So I, I think there will be a, uh, an avenue to have an electric Devon. Gotcha. Uh, like I just want to go up to the golf course on a Saturday in a stylish car. Right. And he doesn't want to worry about the puddle of uh, oil in his, <laughs> yeah, right. in his garage or right. having to put starter fluid down his SU carburetor to get it going, you know? Gotcha. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think there will be an avenue and something we'll definitely look at. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm an internal combustion engine guy myself. I'm a purist and, and like all that uh, stuff. And, you know, I, like I told you earlier, I was in, I'm in the car business. And, you know, when you see uh, things starting to, you know, from fully internal combustion to hybrid, now partial zero emission vehicles to zero emission vehicles, it's, it's a, uh, it's certainly interesting to follow to, to, mm-hmm. to say the least, but, um, but I'm with you, the, the, the purist going back to the originality of it is, is really a very cool thing. Now, okay, so that being said, uh, currently, are you working on any Devons? Uh, I know that you're going through some of the, the parts that you received from California, but are, are you currently working on any of them that you have? Yeah, right now, and it's a good question. Thank you for bringing it up. Um, we're building what I'm calling two test and development cars. Um, okay. So we're, we have them, and I say two, one's being shipped over to um, – the UK shortly and it's going to be prepared for Goodwood. Yes, sure. So we're trying to put together a car like built, put it together. So it is race worthy. And I think, um, that will be our mission to be like Bill did. He didn't want a car to just look good and drove around town. He wanted a car that could go racing. Right. So we're actually putting this together and building it as a car that could go racing. And we're very interested to see how it would do, well, how it stacks up against the cars of its time, even today. And then we'll sure. race in a class with the same uh, cars. So, um, okay. and the other thing that will help me do is sort out these things. Um, door gaps were different in 50, 57 than they were today. People probably want a, a perfect three eighth door gap. It gotcha. wasn't that important back right. then. I see. So, um, there's things that we're going to do and probably have to modify slightly to make a car that I think our proof of concept shows us that the, that the uh, customer is going to want. And I want to figure all this out, too. I'm not going to sell something to somebody that the, the hood doesn't fit on right or the door doesn't fit on right. Sure. We're sorting that all out now so we can have those answers to people who want to build these things. And here's how you put in the headlights. Here's how you put the doors on. You know, we, we tweaked the, the door skin so you could trim it back a little bit so you could get a more accurate fit of the door. Oh, I see. Um, right. So um, we're sorting all this out right now. And uh, uh, we have a couple channel partners we're working with here and there mm-hmm. who have the same mindset as us who oh, are going to say, OK, we're going at this eyes wide open. We realize that uh, you might not have all the answers, but we're going to help you sort it out and mm-hmm. uh in, and they're helping us sort out some of these things. And this doesn't bolt in like it said, you know, gotcha. it's supposed to. Okay, we're going to have to grind it down or retool it a different way. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah, we're, yep. we're definitely moving forward with this. Sure. And like everything in life, it's taken longer than we think. Well, but... <laughs> yeah, that's right. But but you know what? Precision takes time. So, you know, yes, you do, it does. Do, do a job well done. That definitely takes a little bit more time for sure. Were, were, were these cars an original color? Did, Dev, did Mr. Devin have a, a color preference? Were all the cars like Henry Ford's uh, Model T all black when they came out? Or did he have uh, did he have different color choices on these things when, when he was building them? Um. 
Bill Devin, and good chance to talk about Bill Devin again, he he was very price conscious. And he'll okay. even, in interviews, you'll see, it probably was his downfall. He always tried to keep prices down and thought that was a better way to bring something to the market than mm-hmm. uh, very expensive. So to answer your paint collar, mm-hmm. he'd buy paint in 55-gallon drums. Okay, okay, sure. <laughs> I can okay. just imagine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, he had a red one and he had a blue one and a Devon gold. I so see. I think he kind of directed you to one of those colors when you. You, you're purchasing it. And that's <laughs> right. why we see a lot of red ones and blue ones because okay. he got his um, discount paint deal. And, <laughs> I, and, and well, you know, you got you to gotta, you gotta think about that stuff when you're in production. That's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, huh. I know I've worked with 55-gallon uh, drums of uh, barrels of resin before, and it's – challenging with this certain hand trucks to tilt them and mixing them right it's it's challenging so oh, sure but it is a cost savings oh know? yeah no that's yeah that's right you got to think about that that is for yep. sure um are, are any devons currently on the open market we see them come up on um the the you could look in the train magazines and see them, but mm-hmm. we're seeing more and more come up on Bring a Trailer. Okay. Um, side of bees. A lot mm-hmm. of these auction sites now, um, we see more and more Devons. And it's kind of interesting. One will go up, and then a week later, maybe another one, another one. Then they'll go silent for a while. So it seems like somebody puts it up, there's interest, it goes for, and everything's going for a lot of money nowadays with right. our economics. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, I'm, it's time to sell our Devon too. So um, if you listeners at home want to see some examples of what they the Devons look like, how much they're going for, um, bring a trailer, just pick one, does a great job of archiving all those sales along with a great uh, gallery of photos of the cars. Mm-hmm. So you can get a real feel for the cars. And I, I say cars, I haven't spoke about it yet, but Devon did make two other cars, a Devon which had a Porsche motor and the Devon C that had a Corvair motor. So between the SS, Devon C and Devon D, you'll get a good flavor for um, the cars that Bill Devon manufactured. And you can see them on sites like Bring a Trailer. Oh, I'll be darned. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Now, the, the uh, 56 Devon TR3, you own one of those, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now, that's an example of a Devon 295 body that was put on a Triumph TR3 back in the day. Okay. I don't know gotcha. why the owner decided to do that, and uh, he did. And um, it's it's a nice example, and it's, it's a very fun car to drive. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of those MG Devons, and we'll call them Devon Specials. I see. And um, some of them race very successfully. Um, Ack Miller won um, Pikes Peak six times in a Devon Special. Oh, did he really? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, isn't that fun? What are you most excited about at Devon right now? Preparing this car for Goodwood. Okay. It's really exciting. Well, sure. um, uh, just um, it's really forcing our hand to move forward and sort out. Devon had his own design for a rear, his own design for a front suspension. Um, those things are really um, making us move forward and researching this and, and doing our builds and and it does take three times to sometimes get the thing right. The <laughs> You can't get it right the first, first time, time all right. the time. Right. So um, that's probably my, is very exciting. Mm-hmm. So it's a silver car we're building that's going to be shipped over. I'm going to be building a blue one that's going to stay here in the States. Nice. And between the two 
two of our building teams. Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to sort out problems uh, at the same time. If we have a problem putting on the windshield, we're going to see it in both continents at the same time. Oh, and cool. Sort it through. There you go. How, how many people are on your team there, Kevin? Um, I got about three guys who work with me on this. Okay. Um, they're they're um, we're in a facility, an old Reading truck body facility out here. You mentioned in Abington, mm-hmm. so we have a great space that we have to work on these vehicles in and, and continue on. Um, I've had people visit. I'll just share with you. If uh, one of your Devon enthusiasts is listening and is in the area, they can stop by and see what we're up to and what we're doing. Awesome. And, um, yeah, it's it's a slow process, but it's moving forward. Right. Well, and, you know, you kind of beat me to the punch there. Uh, you know, my guys that I normally am with, John and Eric, um, you know, we're, we're all after weekend getaways. I would absolutely love to come up and check out uh, your facility and, and, and check out what you're working on. That would be a fun uh, opportunity for sure. Yeah, one day we hope to have a Devin Car Show here, an open go. house, right. and uh, right. you know, bringing people from all over and just have a, a Devin gathering. Ah, there you go. Well, I, I, I'm sure that he would be more than pleased to see that uh, his tradition is carrying on with you, and I think that's uh, I think that's fantastic. I really do. Good. I appreciate that comment. Absolutely. Well, we are uh, approaching our half hour here. And uh, lastly, well, two two more quick questions. First of all, are there any shout outs or anything else additional that you would like to mention about Devin at this point or or, or yourself, obviously? Uh, people are constantly asking what we're doing, what we're up to. Um, mm-hmm. And probably our Instagram or Facebook page is probably the best way to okay. follow what we're up to. Okay. We're constantly putting content up there on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. Uh, we have a week, a monthly newsletter we send out. So sign up for that and you'll get a newsletter. Okay. And you'll be able to follow our progress here. And that's what I'll do when we end yeah. this up. That is for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> now, here, here's a here's a gotcha question that uh, Eric always wants me to make sure I ask in his absence. And this is a fun one. And we even asked Mario Andretti this. And, and uh, you, you, I think you'll get a good kick out of it. And the question is this. What did you take your driver's test in there, Kevin? Oh, huh. <laughs> it was funny though. Um, my mom's in power, but I, I mentioned I had purchased that first Corvette, not right. really knowing how to drive a stick. I got you. Okay. And uh funny story there. I'll leave your listeners with, I sure. went there and the guy said, you want to test drive it? And I go, um, can you drive it? Cause I'll <laughs> sit in the passenger seat. There you go. Right. And then when I went and paid for it, I had to bring it home. And, uh, I was probably over-revving it at a few stoplights and the little hills just to make sure I made it home in one piece. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's <laughs> so, great. Uh, I didn't take it in my Corvette, even though I had it before I had my driver's license, I think. But uh, it was funny. Right. Well, funny I, story. I anticipate that if you could uh, a parallel park in Impala back in that day, you, you, uh, you'd pass anything, I guess, right? Yep. There you go. <laughs> Well, uh, Kevin, this has been such a fun and informative discussion and certainly a pleasure to have spoken with you today. And a special thanks to Jeff Nowak uh, for recording this podcast with you today for sure. So thank you to him as well. Um, And for our listeners, remember to check our website out, www.theclassiccarcorner.com. If you are looking to get your classic car appraised or need any pre-purchase inspections done on any car of interest, I'd welcome the opportunity. You can contact me at Jason at gdherring.com remember to check out autobiotags.com every car has a story be sure to tell yours and if you're looking for collector parts check out cpx 
CollectorPartExchange.com. Thank you for listening, and happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast.